0: Hello, and welcome to Michigan Another Mayhem, the show about Michigan, murder, mysteries, histories, and other mayhem from around the world. Your hosts are Allie and Jen. Okay, Jen, let's do this thing. Allie! A- A- Jen, what up, yo? <laughs> Aw, look at that. You know what? Is I that- actually have like two murders today, but neither of them are in Michigan, but I just thought they were just so fucking interesting. I just did. Really? I just did. Yeah, you know?
1: I will say that in going through things, I am finding more things outside of Michigan. And I'm like, I'm not running out of stuff in Michigan. Like, no, there's me plenty my-
0: of shit that, that are going down. I just saw that there, um, and it's only just a short article because it just happened like last night. But there's a Coney Island in Detroit. They're digging up the basement thinking there's a body. I'm like, oh, there's a story in that. No way. <laughs> yes. I was like, keep it coming, Michigan. Keep it interesting.
1: This, this is what I miss when I don't watch the news.
0: Right. See? See? What are, you talking- what are you going to talk about today? Okay. So I'm going to have two um, women that were murdered that have like a, that are not connected, though. But have a lot of similarities to their murders, including like a twist. So I was just like, wow, wow. And I couldn't help but put the two together and tell you about it. What you got?
1: I have the discovery at the Rattle Run Church.
0: Oh, well, talk to me, please. What happened at the Rattle Run Church? I'm so excited. All right. I, I'm in. I've been waiting. Okay.
1: All right. I'm going to take you back. Far back.
0: I'm back.
1: Oh,
0: we're the way machine? <laughs> 1909.
1: Oh, crap. In a small township called Columbus. And this is near Port Huron. Okay. At a church named Rattle Run. that's no longer standing. Okay. Where a gruesome murder took place. Dun, oh. dun, dun. Bum, bum, bum. <laughs> <laughs> The minister for the church was John Carmichael. One night in January 1909, John left home telling his wife he had to do some things in town and at the church. Okay. And John would never be seen again. Oh, really? Nope. Never so be murder
0: seen. and a disappearance? All right.
1: Could be. Is mm. it? Is it, it not? Oh, gosh. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know.
0: Let me listen more and talk less. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the next day,
1: the next day, an unknown person, someone from the community, walked into the church to find it in complete disarray and blood splattered all around. Oh. Okay. So yeah. person comes in. It's just crazy. Okay. Police were brought to the church. And during their investigation, they found body parts in the church's wood stove. It was found that the last time John was seen, he was talking to a gentleman by the name of Gideon Browning. Okay. And he, too, is missing.
0: Uh-oh. Right. Oh, so you got to wonder, like, who's in the stove? Right. Yeah. So,
1: investigation, you know, nothing's going on, of course. They have no leads. nothing. And then the police received two letters, one addressed to John's wife and one to them. Okay. So the letter was printed in the Chicago Tribune and the letters explain the murder. Now, this letter is super long and I was going to read it. Okay. Um, but it's really long. Okay. so I like, just no, like, kind of too, took too long <laughs> yeah like too long people would be snoozing right um and so I kind I'm gonna just give you
0: the gist of the letter give it to me
1: all right so this letter explains the murder how Gideon had hypnotic influence over the person writing the letter Ooh. so that person's explaining how Gideon has hypnotic influence um he went on to say he was ashamed that Gideon was able to compel him to do his bidding, how Gideon was always around and how he had came at him with a knife. Oh. The writer of the letter went on to say he hit Gideon with a hatchet. Oh. They struggled and he kept striking Gideon with the hatchet till he was dead. Oh. He then it. Okay. He then heated up the stove and when it was hot enough, started chopping him pieces, then left and headed to Chicago. Wow. The letter went on to say he was tired of hiding and how he was able, you know, talking about how he was able to elude the police all this time and tells the police to come get him and he will be near Carthage, Illinois. Okay. So, interesting that he's in, you know, in the Illinois area. So, they believe this person writing the letter okay. also did another murder. And hold on, because that's on a different piece of paper. Everybody bear with me. I know.
0: Technical difficulties. <laughs> yeah. With my okay. Papers. Okay, got it.
1: So, this person that's writing a letter they believe is tied to this other murder where a person claiming to be a carpenter worker. Okay. Stayed at a Mr. And Mrs. Eld- Elder's home in Illinois. Okay. Rived at their home and, you know, asked, said they, he was passing through and wanted to rent a room. They rented a room to him. The next morning he saw the wife, Mrs. Elder And told her he was leaving. And shortly after he left. Mrs. Elder heard something. In the outside shed. And she was too afraid to go out there. And see what it was. And she asked a neighbor. To check to see what it was. And there they found Mr. Elder. Bleeding from his neck. And a knife. In his hand.
0: Wait. And a knife in his own hand?
1: Yeah. In his own hand. Okay. But they believe that. You know he didn't kill himself.
0: Oh, okay, okay, okay. You know the <laughs>
1: the saying, guy, the guy, okay. the guy cut his cut his throat and then left the knife oh, in his okay. hand Uh-oh. in the guy's hand.
0: Okay, sorry, I'm a dumbass.
1: <laughs> right, that's no. Um. So, anyways, they believe. Oh, well, this is on the way to this town that this the person writing this letter. Okay. So they believe these two are tied, but. Who's the murderer? Where's John? You know, what's going on? Yeah. The person that signed the letter was John Carmichael.
0: What? Yeah. Wait, isn't he the preacher?
1: He's the minister, yeah, Yeah. for the church. So, the minister, this Gideon guy... you know, John believed he had hypnotic yeah. you know, influence over him and kept, Gideon kept coming to him and having him do things, you know, the only thing I could see that he had him do yeah. was he, Gideon had him by the hatchet. Oh. But, so, I'm not sure if this John was just crazy. Right. Gideon had hypnotic influence over him. Or how anyways, Gideon he
0: made, was, made him feel like he did. Even if he didn't, he thought he did. Right. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm.
1: so Gideon would come around a lot. And then it all came down to, I guess, John just going crazy and, and murdering
0: him and then running away. Yeah. that is, And that
1: whole time people were thinking that John
0: was murdered, too. Yeah, because that, I was wondering, like, who's in the furnace? You know what I mean? Who's the body parts? Yeah.
1: Is yeah. it Gideon? Is it John? Who knows? But uh, yeah, how crazy is that? And they believe that John pretended to be the carpenter traveling through, and he's just now, now he's just a murderer.
0: No shit.
1: You know, now he's just murdering people. He's crazy. He murdered one. Now he murdered two. Maybe he murdered three. But I thought it was crazy because I'm sitting there like, where's John? Like, who is the body part? And then all of a sudden I stumbled upon
0: the letter and I'm like, wow. That that is crazy. I would never, if you would have had me guess the outcome, I wouldn't have guessed it.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And I wondered where, you know, whatever happened to him, but I couldn't find anything. Like, did they catch him?
0: Well, it is so hard. Like I was saying for the last one, when it is the early 1900s, it is so hard. I actually looked up something recently from the 1830s and I was just like, Lord save me.
1: <laughs> right. Those are hard ones.
0: Yeah, those are difficult ones. So
1: I, I, it was an interesting story.
0: That is an interesting story. I'm like, with twists and turns. <laughs> right.
1: So, what, so hit me with what Yeah.
0: Okay. So I got mine from like People Magazine, newspapers.com, lawandcrime.com, oxygen.com. So you know it's some shit, right? Right. Okay. So the first one is going to take place in the 80s, and it's Mary London. So, Mary London. It's a London, great year. What's that? A great year, 81. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Mary London missed a ride to school, and that roused suspicion because um, she had been diagnosed as develop- developmentally delayed, and she had been enrolled as a sophomore in Sacramento High School at age, you know, she was 17, and she's immediately reported missing. It's January 14th, 1981, because they're like, nope, she's nowhere else. She's missing. And the police actually for 1981, weirdly enough, take it seriously. But the next day on January 15th, just before eight o'clock in the morning, the body of a young girl was found near Mary's home in northern Sacramento in northern California. It's quickly identified as being Mary London, and Mary was discovered partially nude near what was then a rural dirt street named San Juan road. So Mary had been stabbed multiple times as well as she was brutalized sexually with a blunt object, possibly the handle of a knife and her attack had been so brutal that homicide detective Dave Schwartz said at the time, quote, maybe two or three different ways she could have died from what happened to her End quote, meaning like so much shit was done to her. And you know, so different things could have killed her.
1: So, oh, wow.
0: It's just terrible. Fucking awful. So, Mary's attacker had left his DNA at the scene when he raped her. And the Sacramento police actually preserved it. And this is 1981. And we don't even have DNA technology to the 90s, right? I think it's in the early 90s. Yep. So, through the decades, the DNA is kept well enough that it was viable for testing. And in 2016, the cold case was reopened. With detectives hoping to use an investigative form of genetic genealogy to solve the murder. Oops. And it's a success. Vernon Parker, who's about the same age as Mary at the time he murdered her, was found to be the perpetrator. So Vernon, he's not going to be prosecuted and he just he can't be questioned because he was stabbed to death a year and a half after he murdered Mary. On August 23rd, 1982, when he was 18 years old.
1: Karma comes back around. That's right.
0: Stabbed. He killed her. He, she, he got killed. So one, on the night he died, Vernon was at a bar called Huff Brow Bar in Sacramento. He was with some friends. And one of his friends got into a fight with a guy named Jesse Wheat. And Jesse was 31 years old at the time. And they were arguing over a woman that they were both interested in at the bar. And Jesse tells police that they get into a fight at the bar. Like, basically, Vernon tries to jump him. And after he leaves, Vernon and his two friends attack him again. And Jesse told police that he stabbed Vernon in self-defense. So two hours after the original fight, just minutes after the second fight, Vernon managed to make it back to the... Because the guy left two hours after the fight, and the dude was still out there waiting for him. So I was like, you know Vernon's a fucking prick, besides being a murderer of a young woman. He is also an asshole. He managed to make it back to the Hofbrau bar. And he says, I've been stabbed. I've been stabbed. And then he collapses and he dies at the bar. And Jesse Wheat was originally charged with murder. But the charges were brought down to voluntary manslaughter and use of a deadly weapon. And Jesse agreed to plead guilty to even lesser charges. And he was given five years in prison. So close to 40 years after Mary London was murdered, her family did have the name of her killer. And it, it didn't matter to them that he couldn't be brought to like criminal justice. It just gave them peace and closure to know that, you know, he, you know, to know who killed her and to know that he's dead now. Yeah. And that he got stabbed. So that happened. And so here's another one. And I got this from the Star Gazette, WSBTV.com, True Crime Daily.com, Miami Herald.com. At CelebrityDesk.com. Are you ready? I am ready. Okay, so this is actually, she was considered the Valentine Jane Doe, and her name was Wanda Dean Kirkman, Kirkham. So windsurfers in the Florida Keys found the body of what looked like to be a teenager February 15th, 1991, around 8.15 a.m. And the young girl's body was found near a dirt road that was off of US-1, And witnesses in the area had seen that girl hitchhiking on US-1 and, you know, believing that they're like, yeah, I think I saw that Jane Doe. I saw her hitchhiking. And with her last sighting being around 6.30 p.m. And with her murder being committed on Valentine's Day, that's why they called her Valentine Jane Doe. So Valentine was discovered in an area that the locals refer to as the horseshoe. And it's a recreational area in Monroe County. And she was 20 miles up the expressway from the last time it was believed that she was seen alive. And her age was guessed between 16 and 25, conservatively. The public was given detailed information about the murder, hoping to identify Valentine. One fact that was emphasized was that she didn't have tan lines. And that led detectives to believe that believe that she was from the north and visiting the Florida Keys. Because they're like, you don't live in the Florida Keys and not have a tan in any way. You know what I mean? Yeah. They're like, so she's obviously a tourist. So we're saying we think she's from the north. She has no tan lines. They gave a description of her clothing. She had a red and blue striped sweater. And it had a label that read Forenza on it. She had cutoff jean shorts and black moccasin booties. She also had a tattoo on her shoulder. Of a heart with the word love printed in the middle. And Valentine had four piercings in one ear and two in another ear. And her teeth were referred to as pristine. I mean, they could not stop talking about how nice her teeth were. <laughs> so I was like, that must have been really nice teeth. But she actually had carried at least one child to term. So they knew she had a child somewhere. June 25th, 2020, 29 years after her death. Floridian authorities announced that through genealogical research, they found that her true name, true name was Wanda Dean Kirkham and she was 18 years old and she was from Hornell, New York. And Wanda's parents had never reported her missing and they had both passed away before Wanda's identity was found out. So there literally isn't anyone to explain why they never reported her missing.
1: Right. Why? That's crazy.
0: I agree. And when people are like, oh, we thought he ran away, I'm like, they usually contact you unless something really terrible is happening, I think. Most of the times so when people are like, I just thought they went away, they were mostly dead. <laughs> I think we've learned that now. Mm-hmm. But when Wanda's body was found, it, has, it actually had been determined that she had been raped, beaten, and strangled. And the murderer had used her b- bikini top to, to garrot her, strangling her. So Wanda had came to rest lying face up or I'm sorry, face down in shallow water, and she was nude, and the murderer had left her clothing near her body, the detectives estimate that at one time they had 600 leads that they followed up followed up on, all to no avail. In the case of the Valentine Jane Doe, it was featured on the TV show Unsolved Mysteries. However, the day that they announced Wanda's name, they also announced the name of her killer, which was Robert Lynn Bradley. The detectives were able to match his DNA through investigative genealogy, as well as his victims. So 14 months after Robert had murdered Wanda, he was murdered in Tarrant County, Texas. Robert had been found shot in the head. His murderers had left his body in a ditch in a rural area, and the DNA at his crime scene was compared to Wanda's, and that's how they found the match. Robert had been 31 years old at the time of his death, and the person or persons who, Robert, who murdered Robert were never found. Wow. And this is why I thought the things were so interesting. So they're both teenage females. They both went missing and were murdered on the 14th. For Mary, it was January 14th. And Wanda, it was February 14th. They were both found off of dirt roads in rural areas. They were killed exactly 10 years and one month apart. And years that end in one. So 1981 for Mary and 1991 for Martha, I mean, Wanda. And both took mul- multiple decades to solve. It took 39 years to solve Mary's case and 29 years to solve Wanda's case. And the men that murdered them were both then later killed themselves. Nobody lived more than a couple years after murdering them. They were both murdered themselves. Yeah, how crazy is that? Isn't that just crazy? And there are like two things that yeah have nothing to do with each other, but have all these coincidences. Right. Yeah, I just thought that was crazy. Oh, and, and I feel so bad for we... those girls. But I'm like, hey, girls, he was murdered.
1: <laughs> right. Yeah. And you just go to show. You got to be nice. It comes back around.
0: Yeah. Karma comes to get you. What you going to do right. now? Yeah. That
1: is, that is
0: interesting. Yeah. All right, Jen. It was nice talking to you.
1: All right. Until next time.
0: Until next time. Oh, I'm just telling you, I think I did I already tell you. I'm just gonna have a lot of murder for you from now until Halloween. Just murder, 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 murder.
1: I'm I'm am i I'm so excited.
0: Okay. I'm gonna try it's to just... surprise you with murders. Murders you can you are, are are ha. Huh, huh. huh. All huh. right. Wow. wow. Good luck with that. Thank you. All right. I'll talk to you later. All right. Bye. All right. Bye. Contact us at anchor or Michigan and other mayhem at gmail.com or on Facebook to join the conversation, listen to the podcast or correct us when necessary. Rate and subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast provider. Bye-bye now.